Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park I think we're live. We're going. So first, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here and all that good stuff. Um, Appreciate it. What I know about you, you got a pretty interesting story that I kind of checked out on you. And that's kind of what I wanted to know a little bit about it. And I think it might resonate with a lot of people on here. But uh, I guess first, maybe should you do a little brief introduction just so people kind of know? I don't like to do introductions, so I'll let you do it. So <laughs> Yeah, I could, I could do that. Well, thank okay. you so much for... Uh, having me, Chris. I'm really pumped to be here. Um, brief introduction. Uh, I'm Brie Tritaglione, uh, born and raised in Rhode Island, uh, made my way to Boston for a little bit, then landed in New York City after uh, going to grad school here. Nice. Uh, went to school to become a school counselor and uh, really love being in the counseling field. Right now, I'm actually uh, expanding that certificate to get my clinical mental health counseling license. Uh, and in the meantime, as that's all happening, I'm a podcaster as well. Uh, I'm a motivational speaker in the realm of personal development and mental health and wellness. And uh, I have a small business as well. So it's kind of all inclusive of those things. I do some coaching in there as well. Uh, and yeah, just just enjoying the ride as each each layer sort of adds on to my life and the next steps in it. So you got a lot going on here, it seems like. But what kind of led you down this road, do you think? You know, I know you just, you just talked about the mental health kind of road. Is that just something you've always wanted to do or is it something part of your life or what? So uh, actually, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Oh, um, transparently, I uh, went to school in, as a communications major, which I guess really pairs with me wanting to speak. I've always wanted to speak for a living or even come on podcasts. Like, I think this is so cool and podcasting. I love to do too. So I love to be on both ends, but had no idea I wanted to go into mental health counseling or anything really of the sort. Uh, I found myself after I graduated undergrad working in a school with students who uh, were in a learning center, basically a learning center uh, where they didn't quote unquote, fit in any of the other learning centers. So it was students of varied abilities. And I found in working with these students that one, they're awesome and their unique way of thinking and seeing the world is a way that I wish uh, we could all sort of orient ourselves to. But I also found that I wasn't particularly passionate about teaching a school subject, but I liked the idea of being in schools, but I really liked the social emotional piece. So that was really what prompted me um, down the school counseling path. And then the transition into the clinical mental health counseling was really after uh, I had a really strange, uh, unexpected personal medical experience that kind of shifted my life on its head and kind of transitioned me into rerouting into working with adults in that capacity uh, based on what I experienced. So I was hoping we could talk about that a little bit as far as that weird thing that happened. And from what I know, I mean, it seemed like it was an autoimmune kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then it ended up paralyzing you from the waist down. Yes. Yeah. I mean, how did this, was there any signs of this coming up or what was, it just happened this, you know, spur of the moment it, or whatever you want to say. It really was 
it like really was spur of the moment. It was a 24 hour, uh, sort of my body just out of nowhere going into shutdown mode. Uh, I was 28 at the time and I, it was the day before it was March 17th, 2020. So as the world was shutting down, so too was my body. Uh, and it was the craziest thing because obviously, you know, I can speak candidly about it now, but at the time I was so, so scared. It was this weird sort of numbing, tingling sensation that started in my feet, grew up my legs. Uh, and it also actually surrounded my whole face, head and neck as well. Uh, this numbing, tingling sensation, uh, kind of turned into like a burning knife-like sensation. I mean, it, it was horrible. And so I took myself to the emergency room. I, I don't know why I didn't call something. I was like, I, I can get there. So I got yeah. there and I literally walked my hands along the triage desk and said, I think my legs are about to collapse beneath me. And no sooner than I said it, did it happen. Uh, from there, I was in the hospital for several weeks, completely paralyzed from the waist down and mostly paralyzed from the neck up. So I really only had mobility in my arms and hands. And, uh, the, at the time doctors couldn't really give me any answers at all. Uh, it was really, a, a guessing game for them. And for me, uh, I had to go through in my own head and with doctors, the possibility of, um, lifelong paralysis, the possibility of this possible, of this increasing. So actually going through my arms as well, since it had already consumed a lot of my body, uh, the possibility of amputation. So all of these, these, you know, ruminating thoughts were, uh, I had in my head on top of the fact that that very day, lucky for me, hospitals shut down in New York. So I couldn't have any visitors, any, anything. Um, it was really just me, myself and my thoughts at a pretty scary time. So, uh, I can, I can keep going, but I'll kind of pause. No, you're there fine. No, I, don't, I, I don't want to cut you off. You had a good flow going on there. So I guess my next question for you, I mean, so there was nothing in your family history of something like this happening. It was just whatever, something to decide to attack you and go after it. Yeah. So what I really found out was that, uh, I have a very rare, uh, autoimmune condition that basically, uh, I guess is, is in conjunction with a neurological condition condition because the, my immune system essentially, uh, attacked my healthy cells rather than my unhealthy cells. And the condition specifically attacks the cells in my brain and in my spine. So when the doctors found out what this actually was, uh, for them, it was miraculous that it was actually just my mobility and not my speech or cognition or one of my senses or a combination of all of them. So, you know, that was sort of a a major perspective shift when you think about if anything's going to attack your brain and your spine, really anything can happen. So, uh, you know, that, that was crazy enough for me to realize, like, how is this happening at 28 and no family history, not nothing inherited. It's, uh, just rare. And I'm the lucky one. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I've, I've said on here probably, I don't know how many times I've said on here, but you know, I've always kind of talked about, you know, walking your own path and it's okay to be alone sometimes. And, but when you go to a, an event like that in your life, I mean, and you, like you said, you were alone and kind of by yourself, it's almost, you don't want to be alone then. And I couldn't imagine going through something like that, you know, no visitors, you you know, you said it was during COVID too, right? When hospitals were shutting down and, you know, it's just got, you know, nobody, you know, when the pandemic started, knew, nobody knew what the hell, what was going on. You know, when people were saying, oh, you need to be on a, was it a respirator or ventilator, but then they found out those didn't work. Right. And yeah. So I just couldn't imagine what you were going through right then, just because, you know, just, I guess, you know, being alone for so long and then something like that would just, I feel that would, you know, just right. I don't want to say wreak havoc on your brain, but something to the sort, you know? Yeah. You know, it was it's funny that you say that because, uh, being alone was definitely 
one of the scariest parts that I couldn't have any visitors, but I will say that that, uh, sort of those thoughts of being alone, they actually prompted me to open myself and my story up as it was happening on my social networks, which, uh, you know, at the time I, I was pretty open on social anyway, but I or anyone else was not expecting any of this, nor was it my typical content that I was posting. Uh, but it was really interesting because I found that in opening up on social media, I started documenting it um, and really going through it. And that was uh, where I was able to get that support. So obviously I had my family and my friends calling me and FaceTiming me and doing whatever they could to be there, you know, metaphorically. But I found oh. that, um, opening myself up in that way was actually uh, really empowering and gave me a lot of strength and support that I really needed during that time. So it definitely helped uh, switch things for me and helped me really feel that, uh, you know, uplifting energy that anyone who's in such a scary, weird situation would hope for. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes I feel like I trash technology and social media when I when I get on here and, and, you know, I'm an addict like anybody else, but you know, these outlets and just being able to have conversations like this through screens and stuff, you know, it's one of the best times to be alive. Right. But, and just like, you know, you turned, you were still able to, you know, get that moral support through technology. And I don't want to make this all about technology, but there is some benefits. I guess my point is there is some benefits to it, even though there is also a lot of negatives to it, speaking of mental health and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's spot on, you know, I, I feel the same with technology, like it's such a love hate relationship. So, (laughs) you know, there, there's such power to it, but there's also, you know, real negative aspects of social media, like you said, with mental health, but um, you know, when you can find the way that to use technology that is supportive of you. And in in that case, that's exactly what it was. um, You know, it does change the game, but if, if only we could use it just to support us, you know, in in a positive way, then I think we'd be on a totally different path compared to where we're at with technology. (laughs) So, all right, so let's do this. So you were, um, you got healthy, obviously you're here, you're talking to me. So what did they find out? I mean, are you on, do you have to change your diet? Are you on certain, I mean, you don't have to answer this stuff if you don't want to, but you on a certain diet, are you answering your own certain prescriptions or what was the prognosis here? So I, I'm happy to answer. I'm an open book. Okay. Uh, okay, cool. The craziest part is, um, you know, I, I went through, they, it was a ton of medications in the hospital. Uh, but after that, it, it, it's intense rehab and, and that was that. So for me, I took my first steps on my 29th birthday, which was probably the craziest part of the whole experience. So I happened to be in the hospital during my birthday. And that was when I took my first step again. But also after that, it was um, once I learned how to walk again, that's all I wanted to do. So I went from walking to jogging to running. Uh, I have not yet run an official marathon, but I have since run marathon distances I feel like Forrest Gump. It's like, just because <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It's like, just because I can, I do. And it's, it's wild. Cause I used to hate running. Uh, sure. I, I was always, you know, active physically and always in the gym and lifting, uh, but running was never it for me. And uh-huh. since then it has become a form of therapy for me. So it's been a really, a pretty remarkable recovery process. Uh, no, no uh, crazy long-term effects except for uh, just some back pain, sort of ghost faint back pain randomly, which is really just kind of like from the scarring on my spine. But other than that, I am, again, I would say in peak physical health and condition. And uh, the doctors and I are both all crossing our fingers, just hoping that it was a one-time occurrence. Do you know who uh, Jordan and Michaela Peterson are? I sure do. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, Michaela actually, well, I guess Jordan a little bit too, but she actually had a rough go of like an autoimmune disorder, as you know, probably. And and she has this, yeah, she's like, I think she actually had to get her ankle and hip replaced because of it. And now she's like an all meat carnivore diet. And that's the main thing that she's, that's the reason I asked that because that's the reason she's actually as healthy as she is now. And I think Jordan Peterson actually has to do it too. And that's what they found that actually supports them and they were living healthy lives obviously right now. So they're just killing it. But I, I did not know that. That's really interesting. I'll have to look more into it. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it was just cause it's weird just how these autoimmune 
disorders. And I think theirs was kind of genetic too, but what well, yours is more of a rare case, as you said, but it's just, it's wild to me though. It's, yeah. But, it's, a, it's a crazy, crazy. I mean, just any type of like random medical occurrence, it's just like how and why, and you know, you just, you just don't know, but you got to just roll with the cards that you're dealt exactly. and keep it moving and accept them and figure out how you're going to work with them in life. Was that your goal though, to uh, be able to run a marathon when you, is that what you told yourself that you're going to run a marathon? And I definitely, uh, I not immediately in the hospital, but once I, like I said, once I went through that, uh, like pretty intense rehab process, uh, they had me, I, I will never forget. I'm in the hospital cause it's inpatient rehab. And I just had to walk the hallways like up and down and up and down for extended stretches of time. Sure. And I remember in those moments thinking about how boring it was. I'm like, okay, I figured this out. I'm walking again. I'm doing this. Like, look at me going up and down the stairs and, and from there, I was like, okay, if this is actually like the rehab process I'm going through, uh, I can increase this tenfold. And I want to increase this tenfold. I, I don't want to be, uh, bored, so to speak in, in my own rehabilitation. I want to see how far I can push my body now that I have sort of consciously went through this relearning, uh, how to walk. It's like, not everyone gets that opportunity. And that's kind yeah. of how I saw it was, you know, when we're babies, we don't, we don't realize the process of like one foot in front of the other heel toe falling, getting back up, like how wide or close your feet are. We just do it instinctively. Sure. Uh, and so I had to do this process now consciously, not as a, a small child. And it, it wasn't instinct. It was complete relearning how to train my muscles. So, um, I guess all of that really just motivated me to see like, okay, I did this from step one. Let's see if I can go from one step to 26.2 miles. I mean, I probably already know the answer to this one, but I mean, I would imagine that works well, obviously with your counseling and, you know, your motivational speaking, this yeah. whole story right here. I mean, just cause, you know, I feel like, damn, she's a badass, you know, just like, because I, I want to say, you know, I've seen people, you know, they get hurt or they get off their track of their goals or whatever. They instantly just go down a downward spiral for lack for better words. And then they don't want to get back up and even, and try again, just because like, Oh, I'm just going to fail. There's no point in trying. I'm just, there's no way to get out of this. And it's like, well, no, that's not the right mindset. You know, this is, there is, you're just, you just don't want it right now. You just got to want it. You know, it, and it's so funny that you say that. Um, one of the things uh, that I really took from counseling uh, to sort of counsel myself through it, so to speak, mm -hmm. and how I now use it in uh, speaking mostly is I learned truly the power of reframing or even deframing uh, my thoughts. And the way, the best example that I have was um, in the hospital, I had <laughs> literally every type of therapy possible, like coming to me to, to help me out. So I had yeah. physical therapy, occupational therapy, mental health therapy, art therapy, horticulture therapy. Like it was, they sent everything my way, <laughs> which was, was pretty cool. You know, I got to experience them all, but cool. I remember speaking to one of them and they said, you know, like, how, how are you feeling? Are you finding that you're, you know, you're feeling low or down or, or defeated or anything like that. I'm like, you know, at the beginning, it's really difficult not to ask why me, but I very quickly realized that asking why me is totally giving up all of my power to the, the universe, sure. whatever that, whatever that might be. And I was like, it's such a defeating question because I'll never get the answer. Right. I might get the diagnosis, but I'm not going to get the answer to why. And so what I found out, and like, this is pretty common. A lot of people will say like, why not me? And for me, what I had used just naturally came to me and I was like, like, take it back, Brianna. And I, I was like, because me, this is happening because it's supposed to happen to me. That's the power that I have in it. I can, I can take it back and reclaim it as my own and empower myself with it. Okay, now what? This has happened because it did. Now what? Rather than waiting for the answer to why, I was able to move past that question and then ask myself, okay, what's next? So uh, really that reframing my my mindset, my thoughts and my power, uh, 
excuse me, reframing my mindset, my thoughts really helped me take back that power. Yeah, there's, I've been talking to a lot of people on here who are all about, you know, your thoughts and what you're putting out there as far as what you're saying and what you're saying, not only, you know, externally, but internally as well. And just that, you know, so much goes into it. You know, last night I was talking with somebody, you know, he actually talked about kind of what you said about universal law and just, you know, saying these things, basically his way he put it metaphorically was that, you know, if you keep telling yourself you're weak, you're weak, you're weak, you're going to be weak, you know, and your body's just going to do that. And rather than just, if you change that, you know, even, even just the slightest word change, you know, instead of saying, Hey, I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get better. If you just say, Hey, I'm going to get better like your body. And like, you know, you said the universe is something happens and, you know, and I don't know if you're spiritual or religious and we don't have to go down that road, but and that's something I've been kind of like keep thinking, going back and forth too. And I'm kind of going on a rant here, but it's just like, you know, when you say religion, okay, I get that. But is there something with this spirituality thing now? And is that really, you know, if you want to believe and, you know, if you deserve it, the universal serve it, if that's that stupid saying, and I don't know, I mean, I'm on defense of it, like stuff like that, but you know, as far as manifestation and stuff like that, it's just like, well, I'm not completely no on this, but there's something to it. I think, you know? Well, you know, the way that I can, uh, sort of really put it in psychology terms is thoughts, uh, sorry, beliefs, thoughts, beliefs, and actions. Okay. So what we think, if we think it enough times, it starts to become ingrained in us becoming a belief. Once we have a belief in something, it think of it as sort of like, uh, imprinting, into your mind. A belief is a thought over and over and over again until it feels really real. Hmm. So, uh, and, and that is, you know, scientifically based. So the fact that if we think something over and over and over again, if it's a negatively connotated thought that we continue to replay over and over and over again, it's not so much like really manifesting it out of the air. It's actually like we are imprinting on our mind, this idea that starts to become real, a mm -hmm. uh, real world example that we can, for people to understand sort of what that looks like. Um, anyone who has ever been skiing or snowboarding or sledding even, uh, you know that there's a, a mountain with fresh snow. But once you ski down the mountain or sled or snowboard down it, you make this imprint. If you do it enough, you start to really pack that snow in. If you do it for, you know, that that whole week or whatever it is, you start to see that that is no longer in just a small imprint from a sled or a ski with powdery snow around it. It's a packed in path that's all the way down the mountain. So that's really how you can think about the thoughts turning into beliefs is that you think it enough, you go down the mountain enough down that same path, you're packing that snow in, you're making it solid in your, in your brain. So that's kind of like the science behind the fact that if you do think something enough, it turns into a belief for you. And if, when something turns into a belief for any human being, it becomes a lot more salient in their lives and we start to act on it. So that's where the actions come from. Once we have that belief, we start to act on it. So if we're not telling ourselves the right things, we're going to start acting in the, you know, accordingly. Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent with that. That just makes perfect sense. I mean, obviously if you keep going down the same road and keep staying positive and doing what you want to do, I mean, eventually it might be a long, hard snow down that hill or whatever, but eventually you'll get there. But right. you know, is this kind of your own philosophy that you've developed? I mean, you know, cause I know you can't like my brother's counselor for in higher education and we talk a little bit about counseling and stuff. So I was wondering if, well, he, we don't really tell if, like if you develop your own philosophies and stuff, I guess you kind of find out what works for you and what doesn't work and stuff. And like what kind of like cues and tips to tell people and help them out. Like I'm kind of, I'm very, you might have to talk to me like I'm five when it comes to that. But I mean, is that kind of just, I guess my question is you just develop that on your own, I guess. Yeah. So or books read, whatever. You know, for me, it's, uh, that is like pretty encompassing to one of my philosophies that I guess this has kind of become the mantra of my business is buy into the possibility of you. And when I say that we have to think about what a buy-in process is, oh. we buy into something, you know, we're, we're putting almost some seemingly a blind faith into something that we can't see, hoping that, uh, that thing sort of comes to fruition. But 
the buy-in process might feel like blind faith, but it's actually just being able to understand that we are capable of a lot more than we consciously realize right now. So the buy-in process is saying that your possibility is there. It's just outside your realm of understanding right now. And that's okay because to buy into the possibility of you is to know that even though you can't see it now, you know, you have the capability to get there or to learn it or to become it. So, um, the psychological term for that is self-efficacy. Uh, and we don't need to go down that road if you don't want, but, (laughs) but that, that, that is really, uh, what the term is. The term is uh, an inherent belief in oneself, uh, a belief in your capabilities. So um, we need to be able to recognize that we have blind spots. And even though we can't see our blind spots, because by definition, they are blind Blind. spots, (laughs) um, we need to understand that possibly within those blind spots are actually um, so much more to us that we just haven't tapped into yet. Yeah. You know, you know, you just had me thinking, you know, when I was growing up and, you know, talking about, you know, I I didn't really know what I was capable of growing up or really had an idea of it was just more of just what everybody was telling me, kind of basing me of what I should do with my life, I guess. And, and I just kind of went with it just because I didn't really know any better, you know, and it was always, you know, this is the road you should take to be successful. This is what you need to do to have, you know, money in your life and, you know, work your 30 years and be done and retire. But, you know, when I started, I guess looking around and like listening to podcasts and reading more, this was after college too, by the way, I was an idiot in college and stuff, but I was actually like, okay, there's, you know, I don't have to do what the status quo or the social norm is. You know, I can, if I go outside the realm a little bit, you know, I can find my own way and find out that I am capable of more. And that, and I was just wondering if younger generations, if in your practice and stuff, if you find yourself with clients like that saying that, you know, this is, this is all I'm going to be meant to do this is I'm good. You know, I'll just go work it wherever and work my 30 years and go drink my ties on the beach somewhere, hopefully. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, you're actually speaking to what I would say most, if not all of the human population deals sure. with at some point in their lives. Um, there's, there's kind of two, two things I want to respond to with that. Do it. Uh, the first is um, really exactly what you're saying was the reason why I loved being a middle school counselor, because I found that middle schoolers, uh, that is one of the most major transitions of your adolescent life, uh, other than from like birth to a year old, which I think is like the most transition uh, that that stage from 11 to 14, where it's not only physical, but it's also psychological, emotional, a ton of growth. There's just so much happening in adolescence life at that point, which means that they are so impressionable to what can change within them. So as they see all these changes happening. And as they're sort of at the cornerstone of changes happening in their life as a counselor, it's also the place where you can catch them and say, you can do it rather than them starting to believe and imprint that they can't do it. So uh, that's one reason why I loved middle school counseling is because that frame of mind is actually very, very real and very, very possible for most, if not all human beings, if they don't have some type of influence telling them otherwise. So uh, that moment in life was just to, to be with middle schoolers at that place in their life was something that, that, you know, kept me there for so long. Um, The other, the other piece that I wanted to respond to is that whether we believe it or not, and this is going to sound crazy, but the, the, person that we talk to the most in this world is not our partner or spouse. It's not our children. It's not our colleagues or coworkers. It is ourselves. And the fact that we just, again, we don't always realize it. So much of what happens to us psychologically is taking place in our unconscious or our subconscious. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. AKA, we are not aware to it. <laughs> so, but we're constantly, constantly, constantly dialoguing with ourselves sure. throughout the day. Yeah. Um, and so this, again, this mindset that, that you were saying, like, you, do some people kind of just take it in, do their 30 years, <laughs> go have my ties on the beach. I mean, a lot of people will, will just, have that dialogue with themselves and not have the dialogue that they can do more. Mm -hmm. And also, also uh, just as a side note, not that that isn't um, the lifestyle for some people, because it's not that it's not enough for some, I'm just giving an alternate perspective. But if, if you feel like that is not enough for you, but you don't have the dialogue with yourself to tell you that you want or deserve or can achieve more. And if you never had the models uh, from counselors or teachers or adults in your life who told you and helped you imprint that in your brain that you can achieve more, then that's sort of like a, a default as humans. We'll, we'll default to what we think, you know, is, is going to be sort of status quo for us because pushing ourselves into discomfort is just uncomfortable. That's not, that's not a natural thing that we do. That's something that we need to be conditioned to do by, you know, growing up by adults in our lives or learning from different influences as we're, as we're adults trying to teach ourselves that we can do more. We are capable of doing more. We just need to figure out how to do more. And that's going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> now, I hope I don't forget my thoughts on this as I start to talk. But uh, so what you said earlier, this, you know, growing up, I didn't, you know, we didn't have middle school. I was really, really rural area, all farmlands, no stoplights and all that. But, you know, I just remember talking with my counselor or high school counselor and it was just, what colleges you go into and you had to write down three and it's kind of like, okay, that's it. See ya. And I was like, well, okay, <laughs> whatever. But you know, I guess my point is, is that a lot, of, especially I feel like, so, you know, you're talking about, you know, the cards that you're dealt with a lot of younger kids are not really dealt with a great set of cards. You know, they're almost set up for failure coming out the womb and they don't have these positive role models in their life. So meeting somebody like you, just even in middle school, like you're saying, you know, they could interact with that some, you know, with you and just have that positive role model and say, okay, somebody does, believe in me I you know I there here's a chance I'd actually can you know be positive and you know go forward with my life and make something of it rather than just oh well I just hope I don't you know go back to bed hope I don't end up in jail or whatever and you know that makes a spark in people's lives and I don't know I don't know if that's not if that's missing out of a lot of people's lives nowadays or what but some part of it I feel like it is yeah you know you're speaking on something that's so powerful and it's like I you wish that there was just like every child, you know, they're born innocent, but unfortunately that, you know, life happens and that's not always, we don't stay innocent and that's innocent minds and whatever it might be, you know, we, uh, something that I tell my clients a lot is that we are the fabric of our being, meaning that from the moment even prior to even being in the womb, there's a lot of studies that like, you know, you can be influenced even in the womb. There's different biological things that can happen. But from the moment that you're born, you are intaking so many, I mean, millions upon millions upon millions of interactions with the world. And, you know, if if we keep it as simple as possible, those interactions might feel positive for you or they might feel negative for you. Sure. 
But if each interaction is a thread of the fabric of your being, and you kind of weigh the scale. And as that fabric starts to build, that starts to be who you become because each interaction or thought or moment or experience influences us. Sure. So we're moment to moment to moment building this life influence, a lot of it out of our control, especially when we're children. And that is essentially who we become is the this uh influence of all these interactions so you know when you think about life in that way as like these millions of moments compiling to be the person that you are uh it's like we wish we could for all the kids in the world who might be set up for failure it's like you wish you could give them more positive interactions and positive experiences and positive uh words of encouragement and you know it's it it's just not the case but there are those many 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 of those who use the negative interactions as their strength and that's something that you start to develop when you get older so it can feel really detrimental and difficult when you're a kid but uh when you start to reflect and look back and if you do start to dialogue and ask those questions with yourself uh, you start to realize that all of those really difficult moments actually are the strength that you need to step into that discomfort that we spoke on. Yeah, you know, I agree 100% with you. I wish that all people could have, you know, positive interactions and in daily life all day long. But, you know, a part of what makes people is these negative interactions. And how do you, you know, how do you respond to them, I guess? And these humbling experiences is maybe what I'm trying to say in that you know, some people, I guess, you know, for me, I think they work, you know, I needed to learn, you know, how to lose and, you know, one of my basketball games or get rejected by the girl or whatever. It, it sucks. I mean, yeah, it just yeah. It, it sucks, you know, and, but, you know, part of that is like, all right, so what am I going to do? Am I going to learn from these mistakes? Am I going to turn this into a positive kind of what you said, but, you know, it makes a person, I don't know, I don't want to say balance, but know that, you know, I guess the difference between confidence and arrogance almost. And, and and they use these, and like you say, learning these possibilities or learning from these experiences, you know, they can make hopefully their life better as they go down the road. And they come to this other fork in the road and like, all right, how am I going to interact on this one? Am I going to go a different way this time and hope for a better outcome or I got to, you know, learn again? But yeah, I mean, you know, and I'm not, you know, I don't advocate for negative experiences, but yeah, those humbling experiences are great to have, even though some of them suck and you want to <laughs> just go sit and on your couch and cry. But yeah, watch sad movies but yeah yeah <laughs> they're, they're never easy no one ever wants them we don't want to step into them either which is like this vulnerability piece the stepping into the discomfort like no one asks for them exactly. but the crazy part is it's like the the paradox of life i believe i'm using that word correctly like okay that, <laughs> that you know the thing that we don't want at all is actually the thing that is going to push us forward mm -hmm. the thing that we try to avoid at all costs this vulnerability this discomfort this just like really you know sat maybe sad maybe low maybe discouraged place uh is the very thing that brings us sort of to the 2.0 version of ourselves. Ooh, the 2.0 version. I like that. <laughs> when, when you were in the hospital where I would assume, I know the answer to this, but I guess you were pretty vulnerable at that time. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, I sure was. Uh, that was uh, probably the most vulnerable experience I've ever had. The most vulnerable place I've so. ever been. I'm I sorry. Would, no, I said, I would think so just because, you know, I've been, very fortunate in my life besides just a few broken bones, but I never had to go through anything like that. But uh, yeah, just being that vulnerable and not having anybody to besides, you know, just somebody through a screen to come and interact with you would just be, I don't know. It's just a little heartbreaking when I think about it, you know, especially in being in a big city, you were in New York city at the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. just, yeah. I don't know really what to say with that, but just, but I mean, I, I guess again, I just applaud you for being like what we're, we've been talking about just saying, all right, I'm going to pull out of this and I'll be fine. That's it. And, and it's like, again, we don't ask for these experiences and often we won't put ourselves in those situations if life doesn't push us, there, push us there, Sure. you know? And, and so if that experience for me, like 
let me tell you one, I had never experienced anything like it. Same, same with what you're saying. Like it was just a couple of broken bones. Like the only surgery I ever had was my tonsils. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like, you know, nothing major had ever happened. And I thought I was doing everything correct. You yeah. know, I, I could, I was a bill of health. I would have said, you know, and, but life is a funny way of showing you what you're made of, showing you what strengths you hold, uh, and showing you the parts of you that you never thought even existed. That's the possibility of you being shown like a mirror, life holding a mirror up to you and saying, this is actually what you're made of. And you never knew you had it in you. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm just loving your mindset from it just because, you know, I just, like I said earlier, just a lot of people I feel like would just, and I'm generally speaking, of course, would just break down from it and not have the strength to pick themselves up. But uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being too negative on people, but you know, for the most part, I, I, generally, I think a lot of people would just lay down, but I would hope not. But yeah, no, I, I, I honestly don't think you're, you're being too negative. Okay, but, good. <laughs> like I said, it's like, it's not a, it's, it's an unnatural inclination for us to step outside of our comfort zone. It yeah. just is. So when we're put into discomfort for a lot of people, it, it might be to cower away, you know, especially if it, if it is unwanted, if we didn't expect it or plan for it at all, and it's totally unexpected, uh, a lot of people might curl up. It's that's it's it can be traumatic, yeah. uh, you know. And and that's you know definitely another space uh, for sure. Something that we talk about a lot in the counseling community, but that that trauma for sure. Um, if if it can if it feels traumatic for someone uh can really push a person into a dark space as well so you know lots of different ways that people could react to something like that uh but you know i i feel blessed that i sure. was able to somehow sort of pull that mindset out of myself and bounce back and sort of take that power but again i don't believe that my reaction or how i got through it was was natural and i i uh, not that I don't believe in people, but I know that there are plenty of other ways that people might have reacted to such a situation. You know, I have, I have this theory. Well, it's probably not my theory. I probably stole it from somebody or heard it from somewhere. <laughs> but, you know, there. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I did. But basically, it's talking about how you should challenge yourself and not. And that's one of the keys of longevity that you challenge yourself and you try to do something hard, you know, not every day. And that keeps your mind going and keeps your body going. And then, you know, it gives you, th you these little brownie points, I guess, to say that, Ooh, I can actually do this, you know, and I can e keep doing, you know, making myself better, like getting out of your comfort zone. And I'm not saying, you know, go run a marathon similar to what you did if you never ran one before, but, you know, go run a 5k, go run a mile or whatever and start there. But, you know, you do these little challenges every day and you learn about yourself and you learn that you can take on the world and look, take on hard things. And it seems to make, daily life a little bit easier in my opinion you know it's just somebody cuts you off you're the way the waiter gets your order wrong like, okay no big deal you know i mean that's what i've learned you know i mean i mean i'm one of these crossfit guys and you know i love you know breaking down my body mentally and physically and just then when i'm done you know i feel completely better and it's just like you know that was tough but i made it through it you know and then i go through life and i'm good you, you know, know it, what you're saying and like using the crossfit example i think that physical activity is the best metaphor for how we should go about and sort of approach everything in life because physical activity there, there are so many, uh, parallels, sure. you, you know, you go to the gym every day, whether it be CrossFit or you're going, you know, to your home gym, whatever it be, whatever it is, you know, yeah. and you do this hard thing, you push yourself outside of your comfort zone, you do a hard thing and then <laughs> you don't see results as you're doing the hard thing. Sure. And you're like, why am I not seeing the results? I'm doing the hard thing, but why are the results not coming immediately? Because we like that again, human nature, we like and look for instant gratification. It's something, it goes with that comfort, you know, that gratification is comforting. Yeah. So when you go there and you don't see that the a hundred, you know, burpees that you just did <laughs> made any type of difference in your physical appearance in that moment. We, we can go two ways. We can shut down because we don't think it's working or 
we can keep trying because we think that it might take a little bit more consistent effort. Mm -hmm. And if you keep doing those hundred burpees, I'm not a burpee person also just I mean, either. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> hate them. Uh, but if you keep doing whatever it is in the gym that you do over and over and over again, very small, very incremental results start taking place after three, four, five, six weeks. After three months, that's kind of the sweet spot for any place of change, uh, which a lot of people don't really realize. But this is this is actually mental and physical. Sure. Like you'll really start to see those results. Uh, so I, it, the same goes for meditation. A lot of people are just don't like meditation, feel like it doesn't work. We'll sit and try to do it and say, you know, this makes no sense to me. I don't like this process and it's not working for me. And then you have to ask them, did you try it for three months? <laughs> did you, did you even try it for a month? <laughs> you know what I That's mean? Right. Because you're not, it's a skill and a skill needs to be practiced. And same, you go back to school and learning, you don't learn how to write a paper. You learn how to write a word and then a sentence and then a paragraph and then several paragraphs and then a paper. Yeah. So that incremental growth and that the metaphor of going to the gym is so pertinent for so many other spaces in life in pushing outside of our comfort zone that we need to trust the process. We need to hold on to that consistency. Um, and we need to play the long game. Exactly. I mean, I, I couldn't agree hundred percent more. It's just everybody wants a shortcut or, you know, go back to the matrix and take the red pill or blue pill yeah. or whatever it is. It just instantly have your results and it doesn't work like that, you know, and well, you know, Obviously, you just said it's long-term investments. You know, even though you don't see anything in a week or two weeks, but a couple months, you might start to see a little definition in your arms or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you know, going back to Jordan Peterson and using that analogy, kind of like what you were saying, though, one thing I'm learning right now is try to be more articulate with, especially with doing these podcasts. And just because what Jordan Peterson says, you know, you're a dangerous, badass person if you can be articulate, you know, with writing, speaking, and just thinking. And you know, and do I meditate? No, but. One thing, that's one thing I've also tried to incorporate more in my life, but I, I've, I've maybe once or twice a week, but I, I am trying to learn actually to, or not learn, but actually get in the habit of, you know, journal more. And like what I just say, like write a little bit more, um, then, you know, get my thoughts, you know, when I actually lay them out and then I, like, if I can think about it here, write it out here, when I come on here and be able to speak them out, have my thoughts kind of lined up better. I won't just be all over the place that, and it, it's just what you said. It's, I, there's been, I've had bad podcasts, of course, you know, and it, it happens, you know, but ultimately when I get off here, I want both parties to be like, Oh, walk away, feel good about themselves. But does it always, also always happen? No, but for the most part, they, I think they do pretty well, but yeah, just one thing, there's little th changes like that can just help change the game. As you just said earlier, and just make a world of difference, even though it sucks at first, but getting, yeah, it sucks. Cause you're like, it's a new habit. You don't want to do it. You'd rather go watch Netflix or I would anyway. And, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you get in the habit and you, they start to pay off and you start to notice these little gains and these little differences, like, Hmm, might be something to this. Now I'll just keep, you get a little win. You keep doing it. So that's it. And it's like, you know, I, I know again, like, well, first of all, journaling is super powerful as well. So yes. kudos to you because journaling, like the scientific benefits of journaling, like there's so I've many studies that the way that it can increase your your happiness as a person and yeah. just your uh, functioning overall well-being as a human being is are insane. So I won't rattle off the statistics, but if you're interested, look them up. Maybe you'll start journaling just because there's so much power in those numbers. Yes. But, uh, you know, kind of to, to cap off, cap it off, like, again, going back to the gym example, if you took a day one photo and then a 30 day photo, a 60 day photo, or if you've been at it for years and years, you'll find that not only did they, those incremental pieces sort of pay off, but you're an entirely new person. You've completely transformed your body structure. You've completely transformed who you once were. So, you know, I mean, it's just, we, we can't always see what's actually happening before us or within us. Yeah. You know, and sometimes when I get on here, I feel like I make things easier said than done. And, but, um, but you know, I've, I think it's a lot of this discipline, you know, and I'm at the gym six days a week and 
you know, and I, it's like as far as like I've had bad days, you know, and I get down there and I work out and I pick up, you know, some weight, and throw it around. I feel a lot better at the end of it. And I need that. And I've learned that. And, and I'm not saying you have to go work out or go run or whatever, but I think people, if you're not happy, obviously you need to find whatever that is to make you happy. And, you know, do that. And I feel like, you know, with media sometimes and mainstream media, of course, I feel like some people make you believe that you have to be like, Hey, I'm at an eight all day. And then when I get home, I'm a 10 cause I am home. But you know, it's, no. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not like that, you know, because, you know, there's, I don't know if it's because of so much information that we gather now. And, you know, there's, I don't know if it's more, you know, there's a new world event every other month now. And it seems that there's just so many problems that keep it going. And I don't know if, if our modern brains are equipped to handle that and that there's ways to, you know, whether it be meditation or journaling, there is ways to get that out externally in some way, then reset your batteries with and go back to neutral. And then just, all right, we can restart again. But yeah, but I've always found it like, you know, with some people, then this might be a little bit too much of a rant, but you know, some people are like, Oh, I don't have any problems. I'm great all day. You know? And it's like, no, not, that's, you know, nice. and if you are, that's great. And I, I feel great for you but i don't believe that's just not it can be done and i hope it's done but i don't see it okay i would argue that not having any problems is in fact a big problem (laughs) (laughs) i like that i i'm just thinking about it and it's like you know we're human beings as human beings we are flawed we just are so if you if you kind of are under your own umbrella and perception that you don't have any problems the problem probably is your blind spots (laughs) the problem is that you actually just don't don't see that you know that's that's not where you're at and again this is not to say that people cannot be uh self-actualized meaning like the best versions of themselves sort of like the best humanly possible piece of you know how whoever they can be but it's it's the fact that uh self-actualization which is like a it's a term in psychology but it's really uh it's really more of like a a guiding star and not a distant shore like it's not actually a destination it's more of an incremental growth process to become the best version of yourself moment to moment to moment, but there's no like peak where we become it and then stop. So that's, that's, I guess where I'm, where I'm getting at is like anyone who thinks that they are just like in the, you know, always happy, no problems, no anything. It's just, it's not a real reality. Yeah. Just, (laughs) you know, and I, I can't say I really know anybody like that, but you know, I've heard other heard other heard people tell or other people tell me that, Yeah, you know, old Jim over there, he never has any issues. He's happy all day long. And I was like, is he hiding that? I mean, you know, like Anthony Bourdain, you know, I mean, like nobody really thought anything. And we don't have to go down this road, but nobody thought anything of him. Like, you know, I think it was a girl that kind of messed him up. I could be wrong on that, though. But yeah, but, you know, he was he had some dark issues going on and there's i've heard stories of where when he would start drinking and stuff he would just take it to extremes and mm-hmm. but other than that you know there was really no signs of saying that you know oh, he's, he's good you know let him go do his thing let him go do his tv show but it's you know things like that are kind of i don't know if what the word i'm looking for is but it's kind of like like you just say like mm, i don't know if that's really true or not you know it's just, is that fake or is that authentic and and you know i think uh one of the maybe misconceptions is that when we see as humans, when we see happy people, we might make the assumption that nothing's going wrong in their lives, but it's also possible to sort of, you know, act happy or even be happy as well as be sad. And I think that we, we sort of function in this society where it's, um, you know, this or that, where it can be this and that it's actually very possible to experience happiness, maybe even extreme happiness with extreme, you know, sadness or extreme loneliness, or, you know, it's, it's possible to sort of have both of them or be in fluctuation of both. And it's also, you know, pretty natural of human beings to put on uh, an act of how they believe that they're supposed to act. So sure. all of us around are like, how are they at an eight 
out of 10, nine out of 10, 10 <laughs> out of 10 all day long. Huh? But, you know, we don't we don't see uh, what the other part of that is. Yeah. You know, just just to touch on that, you know, growing up for me, it was never really. You know, as far as expressing feelings and stuff, it wasn't just because like, it was obviously came from a really masculine household or anything like that. But it was just more of why do you feel that way? And I was like, well, I mean, just I don't really know why I feel this way, but that's just how I'm feeling. It was just I don't know. I tried to beat my my parents, I guess, talk it out, but it really didn't happen. And so then there's like, well, did it? I kind of shut those feelings down, and when I would get these feelings, but I just kind of repress them down in my stomach and just like, you know, and not and it was like almost scared to show anything. But now, yeah, and like now, you know, I don't know if it's just me doing these podcasts or reading more books or learning more that it's okay to actually show your feelings. And if you're sad, you're sad. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to go ball and cry in front of a bunch of other people, which, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day and basically the gist, gist of it was they were talking about their families. It was two comedians and how that, you know, they're away from their daughters all the time and that, and they were kind of drinking a little bit and the guys, they started tearing up a little bit. And because the guy was like, does this get any better? Cause he was asking for advice. And the other guy was like, no. And they almost started bawling. And I was in my office. I was like, shit, you know, and like, I don't even have kids and I'm sitting here feeling for him too. And I was, <laughs> you know, and, but I guess my whole point is that, you know, it's, it's okay to actually, you know, not have to act happy all the time. That's okay. It's like, yeah, if you're in a bad mood, you're in a bad mood. That's fine. You know, if you're sad about something, okay. If you want somebody to talk to, I'm here. But if not, you know, I can be here. If you're just not ready. Yeah, that's yeah. one thing I've learned. I I love that. It's just, it's, it is so okay to not be okay. Yeah, you go. If, but I mean, I'm going to bring this full circle one more time. Do it. Showing that we're not okay puts us in a place of discomfort. It puts us in a place that we don't want to be. It puts us in a place that makes us feel scared and vulnerable and unwilling uh, to, you know, to want to push ourselves. But when you sort of delayer that and take off that, uh, that blindfold and you realize it's okay to publicly or you know at least amongst others to not be okay and to not have to display this constant state of bliss or happiness you open the door for others to be more real and authentic around you too i mean that's what it is not being okay more publicly to others is you being a real authentic human being uh, but for whatever reason humans are hard hardwired to really push that away because it feels too scary for us but again it opens up the door for really cool possibilities for humans to have better connection to be more real and authentic with others but you got to be willing to step into that discomfort Bree, i think we should take it home on that you're a badass person right there you <laughs> Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Um, if you want to plug all your stuff right now, feel free to do that. And if people want to find you and all that good stuff, let them know. I appreciate it. So uh, if you want to find me, all of my social medias are at Brie, that's B-R-I underscore undeniably, U-N-D-E-N-I-A-B-L-Y. Uh, my website is BrieUndeniably.com. You can find me on YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. I mean, <laughs> trying to cover them all. I am definitely have some type of presence on all of them, but uh, definitely check out my website if you are interested in me uh, doing any type of speaking or workshops with you or a team or at a conference. I would be happy to. We can talk about that. I do coaching. Um, I do some counseling work still. So uh, all those things, please check it out, briandiably.com. And it has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you. This was badass. So, uh, but yeah, if you don't have anything else, we can just call it right there. So Amazing. All right. Cool. All right, everybody, we're out of here. Be good to yourselves.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 